We're gonna jump into our series, Good Fruit, today. Good Fruit, and we're gonna be in part three of this series as we look at Jesus' teaching in John chapter 15, and we're gonna learn today Jesus' love language, and do you know what it is? Anybody know Jesus' love language? (laughs) Food. That's a good love language, right? It's obedience. Jesus' love language is obedience, and we're gonna talk about that today because immediately as I say that, some of you are like, what? I thought you said we're done with religion. Obedience, when, when you would even just hear the word obedience, some of you are kind of struggling with that and thinking, man, I, I don't like that because when you think obedience, you think of that bad boss you have, right? Have you ever had, maybe you have it right now, but think of the worst boss you've had in your life. I remember my boss, he was one of my first bosses when I was 18 years old working for a summer doing home construction. And I was the youngest one there. And, and, and when you're the youngest one there on a, a construction site, you have a title, um, your job is the gopher. Uh, because whenever any tool is needed, you have to go for it, right? You guys got that? So I was the gopher, and I didn't know anything, because I'm just starting, I'm 18. So he would name a tool, na- name a type of nail, and then I would go run to go for it. I'd, I'd bring it back, and it was always the wrong thing. And I got screamed at over and over and over again. These aren't galvanized! I'm like, well, pff, I don't even know what galvanized means. And that's what it was, just yelled over and over incessantly. And let me tell you, $6 an hour was not enough to get yelled at like that. But I made it through a few months of the summer and we had a few other guys on our crew and every other guy quit or was fired. And it came down to just me and, me and this boss for a little while. And I remember I was like, I gotta quit, I gotta quit. And I woke up late on a Saturday morning. We were just supposed to work Monday through Friday, but it was a Saturday morning I was supposed to be at work, right? And he called me up, right? And I said, no, I'm not there and I quit, okay? I didn't give the two weeks notice. I know I'm not supposed to do that. Like, don't, don't do what I did, but man, $6 an hour was not enough to get up on a Saturday in the summer when I was 18. I quit because it was so bad. I had this boss that demanded everything. He was angry at me all the time and angry at everybody else, and he kept complaining that you can't get good work these days. I was like, no, oh, maybe you just are a bad boss, right? Have you ever had a boss like that? When you have a boss like that, the last thing you wanna be is obedient. And a lot of us have that view of God, that God is like a bad boss, a bad coach, a bad teacher, a bad parent, who's always demanding, demanding, demanding obedience. There was a survey in 2006 out of Baylor University asking people how they view God. And they found that the most common way that people viewed God was that he was authoritarian. People also thought that he was distant, so he's just out there, not even mean, he just doesn't care. Or that he was critical, not just authoritarian, but he's criticizing you. So if you combine all those together, that's 72% of people's view of God in America. 72% of people think of him as authoritarian, distant, and critical. Only 23% of people saw that God was either benevolent or loving. So most people have a view of God that when I say obedience, they're like, I'm out. Some of you already turned off the message right now if you're online. Some of you are thinking about getting up. Okay, just hold on. Stay tuned into the stream because yes, Jesus' love language is obedience, but we're gonna learn today why that is good and why it comes out of a whole different framework for how we should view God, the true God and how he actually is. Jesus teaches us. He knows because he was with the Father and he is God himself come down in human flesh that when we see Jesus, we see God and that's why we can learn what it means to actually have a relationship with God and it's different than the dictator bad boss that you're used to that pays $6 an hour, right? So that's what we're gonna learn 
today. We are in John chapter 15. We are this entire series, Good Fruit. As Jesus teaches, I am the vine, you are the branches. And if you remain in me, if you stay in me, if you have this relationship with me, you will bear good fruit. And much fruit we learned about last week that God has more for us. That it's not a transaction, but God wants a relationship with us. And today we're going to learn that in that relationship, the love language that Jesus asks us to give him is obedience. And we're going to learn four reasons why that's a good thing. So if you have your Bible, we're going to start in John 15. We're going to cover verses 9 through 15 today. But we're actually going to start with verse 10. We'll get back to 9, don't worry. Um, and then if you have your smartphone, you can get the YouVersion Bible app, find our Rise Church Denver event, save the notes, scripture in there. So the first thing I want you to see in verse 10, where we get our um, big idea from. And, and in verse 10, we read Jesus saying, If you keep my commands... You will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Hear what Jesus is saying? Remain is this word that occurs 11 different times in this passage that we're studying. It's a big deal. It means to abide. It means to live. It means to stay in relationship with God, and it's through Jesus. I am the vine. You are the branches. And he says, if you want to remain in me, you must do what I command. It's obedience, isn't it? That's what Jesus is asking of us. I think it becomes even clearer as John, the disciple who wrote this book, later writes a, later writes a letter. And in 1 John 5, 3, John says this, loving God means obeying his commands. It's pretty simple, right? Loving God means obeying his commands. So when I say that Jesus' love language is obedience, this is where we get it from. I'm not making this stuff up. Just like I said last week, we teach from the Bible here. We always teach God's word. And, and, and at first, we kind of cringe at that. We don't like the word obedience. We don't want a dictator God. But it is Jesus' love language. He's like, if you want to stay in relationship with me, this is what it takes. Listen to my commands. Do what I command. Obey my commands. Now, you guys are familiar with the concept of love languages, right? Okay, this book has sold like 30 million copies. One of the best-selling books of all time. Gary Chapman wrote this book uh, a few decades back, but it keeps, every year it sells more copies than the year before. Isn't that incredible? And I, I've gone through it a lot in, in premarital counseling with couples. Maybe you've read it, or, or there's even love languages for kids, for parents, uh, for teenagers. Like, there's different love languages. There's a work love language. Okay, what kind of love language do you want at work? Physical touch is kind of frowned upon nowadays. But there's some other love languages that might work. <laughs> In the workplace, I'm, kid, I'm not even kidding, there is a workplace love language book. Um, Gary Chapman has made a lot of money on this book, okay? But it's good, it's a great concept because we give love to people that we're in relationship with and we receive love from people. But we, if there's different ways that we give and experience love, sometimes that doesn't line up with the person you're in relationship with. So if anybody remembers the five love languages, help me out with this one. Okay, there is physical touch. We already talked about that. There's physical touch, hugging, holding hands, other stuff. Um, there's physical touch. There are acts of service, serving people, doing something for another person. There are gifts. There are words of affirmation. When you say things to the other person to make them feel good, to encourage them, speak well of them. And then the fifth one is quality time. Quality time. It says spending time with some people. Some people just want that quality time. I even saw someone right over here leaning their head on their spouse's shoulder because they like quality time together. Quality time at church. Okay, that's a great way to spend quality time with your spouse right there. Okay, the problem with love languages happens is because you have one or two ways that you like experiencing love, but that isn't always the way your spouse gives love and vice versa. 
So we have to learn. That's why it's important to learn the love languages, right? So um, my wife's uh, love language is quality time. Uh, mine is words of affirmation. So if you send me an encouraging letter or an email, thank you very much. I appreciate all those texts. Words of affirmation, you make me feel loved. Um, and, and But the interesting thing is I default, like when we're, you know, in a <clears throat> argument about something, I mean, if something's happening between us, we're having some tension, I default to acts of service. I don't know why I do this, but I like wanna serve her to show her that I love her. So I'll be like, when we, when we have a big fight, like the house gets so clean. Like you, it would just... Don't, don't tell her I said this. She's not here. She's coming to second service. Don't tell her because then she'll be like, well, maybe I'll start to fight just to get the house clean. But no, like I default to that. I default to taking out the trash, doing the dishes, going out and mowing the lawn, being out in the garage. Well, I better clean up the garage because, you know, I got to make sure that everybody can get in and out of the car. And then like two hours later, Melissa will still be mad at me. And I'll be like, look at all the things I've done for you. And what does she say? I just want you to be with me. I want quality time. And I'm like, oops, I forgot again, Okay. You think 14 years in, I'd get it figured out. I still have some things to work on. You can tell her that, okay. She knows. But, but that's the thing. So if, if you give somebody love in a way that they don't experience, they'll even say, like, I don't feel loved. And you're like, what do you mean? I've done all these things for you. I gave you a back rub. I didn't want a back rub because physical touch isn't what I want. I want this other form of love. So we have to learn the people's relationship that we're in with what their love language is, so that we can do the things that make them feel loved. Okay, that's important. That's a little bonus point today for those of you who are in a relationship or want to be. Now you learned the secret or one of them. You gotta keep learning it over and over again. But so if we're gonna be in a relationship with Jesus, which is what our relationship with our Father in heaven is through. We learned that in week one in this series. If you want a relationship with God the Father, it's through Jesus. He is the vine, we are the branches. The way we know our Father in heaven is through Jesus. So if you want a good relationship with Jesus, we should learn his love language, right? And his love language is obedience. He makes that very clear. If you love me, keep my commands. Keep my commands. So now we have to stop and ask ourselves because we are rebellious Americans who don't want to obey. We don't like the idea of uh, this dictator God. So why would we obey? And that's why today we're gonna learn four different aspects of this obedience and why it's a very good thing. And it's once we wrap our mind around it, it's gonna completely change our lives. Now, this is complex, so I need you guys to focus with me, okay? Can we do that? And I know that you are very smart and you're gonna get it, but the person to your left and right, they're not so sharp. So can you lean over to the person next to you and say, you're gonna get it? You're gonna get it, okay. Okay, good. Now we're all gonna get this. We're gonna help each other out. So we're gonna learn these four points. So point number one, if you're taking notes or on your phone, obedience is produced by Jesus's incredible love. Obedience is produced by Jesus's incredible love. In this series, Good Fruit, we're talking about the things that are produced through us. And what you need to learn is that God's love, Jesus's love comes into us and produces the obedience. It's not the other way around. It's the bad boss, the bad parent that you have to do things for in order for them to love you. But Jesus loves us first with an incredible love. And I was trying to come up with what adjective. You could say incredible, extraordinary, um, unfathomable. You could put a hundred different uh, adjectives in there. But the point is Jesus' love is so incredible. And that's where it all stems from. It's from that vine that we're connected to that good fruit of obedience is produced. So jump back with me to verse 9. Before Jesus says to obey him, in verse 9, 
Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. As the Father has loved me, and our Father in heaven loves his Son so much, cares about him, and and he had this perfect relationship with him even before the beginning of time. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we call it the Trinity. It's a perfect relationship. And it's from that love that Jesus says, I love you the same way. That's incredible. That's incredible. It's not just a father's love, but it's the perfect father in heaven's love. And that's the same love that comes to us through Jesus. Jerry Bridges, the theologian, said that we obey God's law not to be loved, but because we are loved. Do you understand that? We don't love in order, or we don't obey in order to be loved. We are loved and therefore we obey. The order is so important. And if you miss this, you get religion, okay? And we don't want religion. Every religion is like, do good things if you want good things to happen to you. Karma, it's like, do good and good things will come back. Every religion, do good and good things. God says, I love you and I'm good to you first and therefore you're going to obey. The order is really important. And let me tell you this, order is often very important. There was an old preacher um, and he was uh, a temperance preacher. So he was preaching abstinence to his alcohol. This is what people used to do out in Kansas. Okay, they didn't make it quite here to Colorado. But out in Kansas, there, so there's an old preacher and he's preaching a story. Or, and he's preaching and he's saying, he's like, okay. Started to get a little fired up. He said, if it were possible, I would take every ounce of beer in this entire town and I would pour it in the river. People are like, oh Yeah. Good, yeah. They start clapping, cheering for this preacher. He says, and I would take every bottle of wine I could find in this entire town. I would pour it down the river. People are getting louder, right? They're cheering for this preacher. Yeah, come on, preacher, bring it on. And he says, and I would find every single ounce of whiskey and I would pour it in the river. And they were just on their feet, crescendo, and he sits down, end of sermon. Up gets the worship leader. And he says, okay, and our next song is, we're going down to the river. Okay, order matters, doesn't it, right? Order matters a lot. And that's the truth, order matters, and we have to think about this. Okay, God's love comes first and then comes obedience. We don't earn God's love. We don't do something in order for him to love us. He loves us first. And Jesus makes it abundantly clear in this passage as he teaches us what true love looks like in verse 13. He says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Not just serving, but giving down their life in a sacrifice for other people. What's amazing is that Jesus taught this in the upper room. He was in the upper room as he's making these last teachings in the Gospel of John. And the upper room would have been on a Passover feast. And you can just imagine this room. It probably did not look like Da Vinci's The Last Supper, but that's what you're all picturing in your mind. There's the table with all the disciples, and I don't know why, but they're all on one side, okay? That's probably not how it happened, but that's what we're talking about. And yes, they, they, you know, they're all white in that photo, but Jesus and his friends were Middle Eastern Jews, but we'll just put that aside. You think of the upper room, there's Jesus, his last supper. He's doing his last important teachings, and within a few hours, one of those disciples would betray him, sell him for 30 pieces of silver, which wasn't much. The other 11 disciples would abandon him, run away, And then Jesus would be arrested, condemned, spit on, mocked, put up on a cross, and die. Within 24 hours of this teaching, and Jesus, because God had revealed it to him, the Father had revealed it to him, he knew what was coming. 
And that's why he said, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. Because he knew he would be the one to do that for them. And he would love them first so that they could leave this upper room and know what it means to love others. Jesus is not asking to us obey because he's the bad boss and expecting everything in return. Do everything for me. He's like, I'm gonna do it first. And I'm gonna love you unconditionally and even to the point where I will breathe my last for you. That's the kind of love that Jesus has for us first. And it's from that when you recognize that he died in your place, taking your punishment, suffering your consequences, suffering hell for you. And when you recognize that, how can you not then obey him? It's produced from his love. Tracking with me? Obedience produces love. So that's our first point about obedience. The second one, this is even, even cooler. Obedience produces happiness. Obedience produces happiness. Yes, I said the word happy. We did a whole series here called How to Be Happy. Jesus wants you to be happy, and the way to do it is through obedience. Look with me at verse 11. In verse 11, Jesus says this. I have told you this about obeying his commands so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Complete, full, the most joy that you could have. Some of you are like, well, Matt, it says joy, not happiness. So I wanted to show you the definition of joy from one of the most popular Bible dictionaries. The word joy is the Greek word kara here, which means a state of joy and gladness. Joy, gladness, great Happiness, okay? If, if you think I'm wrong about happiness, okay, maybe it's great happiness. Jesus wants you to be very happy, have great happiness, and the way to that is through obedience. Some of us gets real mixed up. It's like, well, I thought God wants us to be holy, not happy. A lot of preachers say that. For one, it's not in the Bible. Two, yes, that's what I'm saying. The way to happiness is holiness, okay? By obeying Jesus' command, it's the way to the truest happiness. And some of you are like, no, 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 no. There's a lot of things that don't feel good about following Jesus and obeying him. It's the happiness on the other side of it. Let me tell you this, in the moment, we crave pleasure. And I'm gonna differentiate pleasure from happiness. And a pleasure might last for a few days. You buy a new car, that happiness is like all weekend. But honestly, studies have shown that it goes right back because pleasure is very temporary. Eating that donut feels so good for a moment. That's somebody's love language right now, donuts. I'm kind of with you on that one. But then you're like, oh, why did I eat three, right? <laughs> There's not happiness on the other side. You're like, I actually probably would have felt better not having three donuts. So we confuse pleasure with happiness. And the happiness that Jesus wants for us is on the other side of obedience. And I'm telling you this, when you start praying, at first you're like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna think about? How long do I have to do this? Okay, you're counting one Mississippi, two Mississippi. Like, how long do I have to pray doesn't feel good, but then when you start to have this relationship that develops with God, he fills you with his Holy Spirit, and then you see prayers answered, that makes you happy. Okay, it is hard to read your Bible sometimes in the morning. It's the last thing you wanna do. It's like, I'd rather check Instagram and feel bad about myself, okay? That feels a pleasure, maybe a moment of pleasure for some reason. But then when you spend time in God's word and it begins to, to live inside of you, you find a true happiness through that. You begin to crave God's word and love it, feast on it. Let me tell you that when you begin to obey Jesus in all the things that he commands us, you find a happiness on the other side. 
There's a true joy even in the sorrow and struggles and trials and pruning like we talked about last week. When you realize, wow, this is for my good. It's producing some good fruit in me. It's worth it. And you will find a true happiness in that. And I'm telling you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you haven't really tried it. You haven't kept pushing through to the other side. There, you haven't tried pushing through that, that, oh, it's hard to say a no, it's hard to say no. And yet when you make it to the other side and you realize, wow, it is so worth it to have waited. There's a happiness on the other side of obedience. Obedience produces happiness. Jesus wants you to be happy and it's not just in heaven, though it will be perfect there. But even in this life, there's a joy unending that you can have. A lot of people get this mixed up and that's why they think that God's this bad boss. No, he wants you to be happy. And that's why he tells you the right way to live. Look at this, even in Psalm 19. In Psalm 19, eight, it says, the Lord's laws are right. They make people happy. The Lord's commands are good. They show people the right way to live. When you learn his wisdom, when you learn obedience to him and you put these things into practice, you realize, wow, God put every single thing in his word because he cares about me and loves me and wants what's best for me. He doesn't make anything arbitrarily. Every single one of God's rules and commands and the way he teaches us, the way of Jesus is for your happiness. But you must be obedient to get there. You must be obedient if you want that happiness. So when people are like, well, God wants me to be happy, so I'm gonna do this evil thing. It's like, no, no, no. God wants you to be happy, so do the right thing. Do the right thing. Follow Jesus. And in that obedience, in that obedience, we're gonna learn the third point, is that obedience is love for others. Obedience is love for others. This is so interesting about how Jesus teaches here in verse 12 and 13. He says, my command is this. This is interesting. He doesn't say my commandments are these things. He says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is fascinating. You read the Old Testament law. At first, God gave the top 10 rules, right? Boom, Moses gets top 10 commandments, okay? And then you read the rest of the Old Testament and it's like, now there's 600 plus commandments. Okay, that's a lot of stuff, a lot of rules. Well, then Jesus comes along and they ask him, like, okay, which is the most important of those rules? Because sometimes it's hard to remember all 600. And he says, the first one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. But then he doesn't say those are just the top two, make sure you keep all the rest of the 600 plus. He says, all the law and the prophets hang on those two. That actually explains every single law. When we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourself, it all takes care of itself. It's so much greater than 600 commandments. And yet it can be summarized in those two things. But what's even more fascinating is here, he just says, I have one command for you. Doesn't he? Love one another. So what is happening? What happened to the first command? Well, I think the first command is kind of implied, but I think what Jesus is saying, what he's saying here is so important, that the way to love Jesus, to love our Father in heaven, is by loving one another. You tracking with me on this? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength means we love our neighbor as ourselves. We love our enemies. We see the person on the side of the road, the poor, the mistreated, the orphan, the widow, and we take care of them and love them. To love God, he's like, it, the test of it is will we love our neighbor? 
but we love our brother and sister. So that's why obedience is loving others. In 1 John 4.20, John once again gives some clarification. He says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? That's why Jesus would say, whatever you have done for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. The person who's poor, the person who's naked, the person who's in prison and done maybe something wrong. The way we love those people, Jesus says, is the way you love me. To obey is to love one another. So some of you are like, am I following all the rules with God? Am I obedient to all those things? You should want to grow in your purity and your holiness and obedience to all of God's command in your private life. And yet it must flow out of you to love one another. The obedience to Jesus means loving one another to go out. And that's why Paul would say, if you speak in the tongues of men and angels, if you prophesy, but you don't have love, you don't have anything. So I don't care if you wake up every single morning and read your Bible for an hour, but you don't go out in love, you are worthless. That's what Jesus is saying. It's a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. If you pray for three hours every day, but you don't love your neighbor as yourself, it's worthless. If you come to church every single Sunday with perfect attendance, which by the way, we don't keep, but you don't love your neighbor, it's worthless. The way we love God and the way he measures our love for him and our obedience to him is by our love for one another. Do you understand? And that's what it means to obey Jesus, to love our neighbor as ourself. So that's the third thing we learned about love from Jesus. And the fourth one is that obedience is produced in friendship with God, in friendship with Jesus. This is the part of the relationship that I hope will blow your mind and leave you here so that you won't ever think of of God as as that bad dictator anymore, that bad boss. Jesus says in verse 14, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. This pure servant, slave to master relationship that most of us think of as God. 76% of our country thinks of him as something like that. Jesus is like, no, 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 I call you friends. It's a friendship relationship. And that friendship relationship should completely change the way you view God. If Jesus is my friend, then I will obey him not because I have to to earn his love, not because I have to because he's my master, but because I'm working alongside a friend. Last, uh, a couple months ago, uh, we wanted to build a porch on the front of our house, uh, kind of a deck, I guess, not a porch, a deck. And um, my good friend, Bobby Brunswick, who you guys know, he's up here sometimes playing music. He was our worship director for a few years. Used to be in landscaping. So I was like, hey, Bobby, I'll pay you if you help me with this. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, obviously, I didn't learn enough uh, through my bad boss when I was 18 about home construction. So if you could help me do this, we'll pay you and everything. So we hired him. And he told me what to do. He told me which stuff to purchase from Home Depot, how to do everything. And while we were working, we spent an entire day, like 12, 13 hours working from sunup to sundown, just working on this deck. And the whole time I was doing everything he said, right? But working for Bobby, I was working with Bobby. He's a friend. Like we had a great time. We laughed, we joked. It was a joy to do what he asked me to do, to do what he told me to do. 
Sometimes we'd be like, hey, get that quick. You're right, because you gotta act quickly in some instances or else you could nail your foot, okay? But when you're working with a friend, even if you're doing what they're telling you to do, it's a completely different relationship. And that's the relationship Jesus says, I want with you. I'm your friend. I love you. I'm still gonna tell you what to do because I want what's best for you. I know I've been before. I've been obedient to my father and I know that's the path to happiness in the truest life. But I'm gonna be working alongside you. I'm gonna be your friend. And when you fall down, I'm gonna pick you back up. Sometimes I might yell at you a little bit through my Holy Spirit. It's called conviction. And sometimes I'm gonna comfort you and I'm gonna sit down with you because you're sad, you're tired, you're angry. And I'm just gonna love you. That's what Jesus does with us because he's our friend. And when you understand that friendship that Jesus offers you, I call you friends. We're involved in the bigger picture. We're seeing what, what God is doing in the world and we're just coming alongside Jesus and he's like, hey, I'm your friend. That is a completely different way to view this. And it's in that friendship that we need to learn Jesus's love language. Because you don't wanna disappoint a friend. You wanna encourage him. You wanna love your friend. And, and if he's saying, obey my commands, we should obey his commands. It's the way to happiness, the truest, fullest life, what Jesus has for us. And it won't feel like an authoritarian, distant, critical boss. It will feel like a connection with a friend who loves you and cares for you. So that's what I encourage you. Jesus' love language is obedience. And guess what? It's the best thing you could ever have in your life. That's the good fruit we want for you, that Jesus wants for you. So walk in obedience to him. We have someone in our church who I think really displayed this over the last couple of years, um, and, and I got a chance. I interviewed him this last week, um, and he is someone who just started out like kind of reluctantly being obedient, reluctantly doing what God was asking him to do, and you're gonna see what kind of comes out through that. So let's um, hear this interview with Dan Utley. My name is Dan Utley, and my wife and I moved uh, from the south end of town here and started coming in 2020, in the middle of the pandemic. You've been really involved now with this organization, WizKids. So tell yes. us about WizKids. Yeah, so uh, WizKids is a, a faith-based organization that for the past 30 years has offered free tutoring to elementary students mm -hmm. that fall below both uh, literacy and poverty lines. But it's a lot more than tutoring. Uh, the fact that they are paired up with that one student for a year, there's just a natural mentoring relationship that sure. develops. So how did you first get involved with WizKids? So actually it was here at the church, we watched a presentation kind of like this one, although I was like, well, I don't know if this is my gifting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, God can take even a meager yes and turn it mm. into something amazing. Oh, yep. And yep. so just me being willing to show up after some convincing, I'm so glad that I did. It's really changed my life. I had a student, Jose, who was amazing. He's super energetic. He was the Energizer Bunny for our group. For me, that mentoring part was like super eye-opening. Just showing up for him, being yeah. interested, yep. caring about him and showing up every week. It, it didn't take but a few weeks. My wife was the first one who noticed. She said, wow, you're really bonding well. And you know, I was more focused on doing a good job as a tutor, and she noticed that we were really connecting. And then watching him academically, he, he started making progress. And then one unique thing about the mentoring at WizKids is that there's a spiritual element as well. That's Tell right. me about that. The last half an hour is something we call club time. And it's really, it's a fun and interactive way for the kids to participate and get their energy out. Wrapped around that is a message about Jesus mm -hmm. and his love for them. There was an opportunity at the end of the semester to have a 
prayer of salvation. These kids were very earnest in their prayer, and it just blew me away. Wow. So I, I, at that moment, it's like God is moving here, yeah. and I, I have to get involved. So you started with WizKids yeah. as a volunteer, volunteering through Arise Church, yep. and now you're doing this full-time. So how did that happen? <laughs> I spent over 20 years in the financial world and had yeah. a, I built a good career, uh, but I felt this was so strong for me that I, I felt God was calling me to, to take action and we, we made a way to make, make a sacrifice financially yeah. in order to move where God was moving. So Dan, yeah. we're getting real excited because we're about to launch a new site here at Rice Church Denver to partner with Ashley Elementary, right. who's been a long-term partner of ours. So tell us about that and how we can get involved. Bottom line, we need tutors. We need 12 for this site alone. And altogether, we have over 30 students who will be on a wait list unless we can find volunteers to tutor them. Applying is really easy. You just need to, uh, you can click on the QR code on the screen or uh, you can come and see me after the service. I can take care of you there. If you're nervous like I was at the beginning, don't be. WizKids is a great organization. They trained me all throughout the process. I just am really excited. I hope that you'll join me in this opportunity to make an impact in the life of a child, not just educationally, but also spiritually. All right, thanks Dan for, that, for doing that interview. Um, I just think it's incredible, you know, Dan, you know, we, we plugged this program for, you know, every summer at this time for the last several years, he heard it. His wife signed him up for it, actually. And he showed up, but then as he kept serving and being obedient, he realized, wow, there's a lot of happiness in this, right? That there's some joy in this obedience, and he's able to love somebody who needs love and make an impact in the life of others. And I just want that for you. I want you to experience that good fruit as well. And I think it's incredible that Dan is doing this now full-time over this region of Denver. And, and for our site that we're going to open up here in October that we're launching, we're going to need 12 mentors just here. Um, and yes, it, it's going to be awesome. And that's 6.30 to 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights. Okay, 6.30. So you can drop off your kid at Turbulence if you have a teenager and just stay and go upstairs and, and mentor a, a kid in need. There's also within a four-mile radius, there's some other times and options. There's about 30 kids that need a mentor within a four-mile radius of our church. So we can make an impact in our neighborhood, in our community. And this is one way that you can step in obedience and step into the love of others. And, and show God, I love you first. And so I, how can I not then love others? Jesus loves us first, lays down his life for us. How can we not then go love others? And it's that greater love that drives us to love others. That incredible love that leads us to bear that fruit. So remember Jesus' love language, don't forget it, okay? It's not quality time, although that's nice. It's not gifts, though we like to bring our gifts to Jesus. It is obedience. When you walk into that obedience and love others, you will find the truest, greatest, fullest life. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. So uh, I'm gonna close this with prayer right now. Um, would you bow with me, close your eyes. Lord God, we just um, are, are thankful for your word that you've spoken to us today, that we could hear the words of Jesus. And I pray that it doesn't just stay here, that it would saturate our souls, that something maybe that we heard today, we would keep chewing on and, until we put it into practice. Help us to be obedient to not just love our spouses, but to love our neighbors, to love our enemies, to love the less fortunate, to love those who need a tutor because they're falling behind in school. Lord, help us to do that. And I pray that that, that love would just be so powerful in us that it would change our view of God. 
Now, I just wanna say there's some of you who have maybe never taken that step to follow Jesus, and I wanna encourage you to do it for the first time because you need to receive his love, received his gift, his death on the cross. He died in your place for your forgiveness so that you can have a better life now and eternal life later. But you gotta receive that gift. And maybe today, if God is stirring in your heart, I want you to just repeat this prayer after me. And if you're already a follower of Jesus, say this prayer out loud to give courage to somebody who needs to pray it for the first time. Please repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Save me, forgive me. In faith I declare, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your love. Give me the gift of eternal life. Now help me to follow you and be obedient so I could be happier. Now with eyes closed, if you said that prayer for the first time and meant it, if Jesus today for the first time is your Lord and Savior, we wanna celebrate with you. And we, we wrote a special book to just help you with your next step of faith that we wanna come around and give to you. So on the count of three, put your hand high in the air and hold it up. One, two, three, put your hand in the air if you made that decision for the first time today. I see one hand in the back, let's praise God, let's celebrate, there's another hand over here, there's a second hand, praise God. Um, right over here, Lord God, I'm just so grateful that you love us first that you call us by name, that you sent your son to die for us. No greater love for us is than this, than to lay down their life for one's friends, Lord Jesus. So we want to respond to that love and go out from here with that love, expressing it to the world. And I pray this in Jesus' name.